does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Last hour on a Saturday night, I'm Brendan King in for Coach Lovell on Indiana Sports Talk. Right now, five good minutes with the star of the show. That's Sam Fritz. NCAA Final Four in action. About halfway through the second half, the UConn Huskies still in the lead by 13 points over the Miami Hurricanes, 60-47 to 47 right now. UConn, Damasanago, with an amazing performance right now, 19 points, 8 rebounds. Jordan Hawkins also performing well with 13 points of his own. Not much going on in the NBA tonight. Only two games being played. The Miami Heat and the Dallas Mavericks played earlier. Heat winning at home 129-122. to The New Orleans Pelicans and the Los Angeles Clippers were also in action. The Pelicans winning just a few minutes ago 122-114. to Lots of Major League Baseball happening today. Some teams surrounding the Indiana area that were in action. The Chicago White Sox losing to the defending World Series champion Houston Astros 6-4, but Sebi Zavala at least gave the crowd a little bit of hope with a two-run home run to put them in the lead for a moment. 0-1, Zavala in the left, and this ball is absolutely tattooed. A two-run shot for Sebi Zavala. The White Sox take a 3-2 lead. That was a titanic home run, a mistake by Urquidy, and Sebi made him pay for it. The St. Louis Cardinals and the Toronto Blue Jays in action. The Cardinals winning at home 4-1. Chicago Cubs couldn't get a win against the Milwaukee Brewers 3-1, but they were treating the Wrigley Field crowd to a nice defensive performance. Here's Dansby Swanson with an amazing diving catch. Oh, diving stab Swanson from his backside. Got him, oh, baby. Stop it. Gold Glover. The catch was almost as impressive as the throw, which actually rolled halfway to first base like a bowling ball, by the way. Texas Rangers and Philadelphia Phillies. The Rangers beat the Phillies 16-3. Cincinnati Reds won their game against the Pittsburgh Pirates. First win of the season. Speaking of first, Jake Fraley with a first career home run. Well hit to right. Off the bench. Other scores in baseball, the San Francisco Giants beat the New York Yankees 7-5. Atlanta Braves defeat the Washington Nationals 7-1. Los Angeles Angels swept the Oakland Athletics 13-1. Minnesota Twins beat the Kansas City Royals 2-0. Detroit Tigers over the Tampa Bay Rays 12-2. The New York Mets beat the Miami Marlins in Florida 6-2 in their game. Boston Red Sox by one over the Baltimore Orioles in a high-scoring affair for both teams 9-8 in favor of the Red Sox there. These games currently in progress. The San Diego Padres and Colorado Rockies are in action in the Golden State. Bottom of the eighth with the Padres up 6-4. to four. The Arizona Diamondbacks and the Dodgers are playing as well. Bottom of the seventh in their game, and the Dodgers are running away with it. In Los Angeles, they currently lead 9-1. to one. Low-scoring affair in Seattle. Mariners and Guardians. Bottom of the seventh for them. The Guardians are up 2 to nothing. 
minor league baseball. Might have heard earlier the Indianapolis Indians were in action tonight against the Omaha Storm Chasers. But the Storm Chasers were the ones running the Indians out of town as they won 12-1, to 16 hits for the Storm Chasers, which are only five by the Indians. NHL action in the Hockey League. There are a couple of games still ongoing. The Sharks are up over the Coyotes right now as they finish the first period. They're up 3-1. to one. Seattle Kraken and Los Angeles Kings still nothing, nothing in their game. Minnesota Wild and the Las Vegas Golden Knights sit at 2-1. to one. And finally, we've got the Edmonton Oilers and the Los An- and the Anaheim Ducks, the Edmonton Oilers, currently winning one to nothing in that. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Welcome back, everybody. This is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Brendan King in for the coach, Bob Lovell. Let's talk some ball today from the yard. The Indianapolis Indians fall to the Omaha Storm Chasers. It's a final of 12-1. to Opening day yesterday for the Indians in the first series of the year. And with us to talk everything Indy Indians is the Hall of Fame play-by-play voice of the tribe. That's Howard Kelman. Howard, always appreciate the time, my friend. Tell me about this one today from Victory Field. Well, this one was one-sided, as you said. Last night, Omaha won in dramatic fashion. Down by two, the Storm Chasers scored four in the ninth to win by two. Today, we were scoreless for a couple of innings, but then Omaha got going. There was a grand slam. There was a solo homer. There were all kinds of hits, some defensive lapses by the Indians. And uh, when all was said and done, as you said, that score was 12-1. to 1. I will also give the Storm Chasers credit because they turned over five double plays. Turning over double plays can be an interesting stat. When you win the way Omaha did today, you deserve a lot of credit. But sometimes if you lose a game in one-sided fashion and you turn over double plays, it isn't good because there have been so many men on base that invariably are going to turn over some double plays. What happened today was just one of those days. You don't have many of them, fortunately, during the season, but it was all Omaha. And fortunately, tomorrow is a new day. I do think the Indians have a very talented team. Howard, one of the guys that has really stood out, at least from a batting average perspective in the first couple of games, Mark Mathias, two more hits today. I know this is two games, but he's batting 7-14. I mean, that's a heck of a 48 hours for him. Right. It's a nice start for him. Now, the Indians scored five runs in the very first inning last night, and he had a hit in that. But since then, from the second through ninth innings last night and nine innings today, so the last 17 innings, they've only scored one run. So the hits weren't that meaningful except for the one he had in the first inning last night. Well, the first inning last night, as we talked about last night, was incredible with five runs and line drives after line drives. But the Indians' offense has been stopped since then. Now, they got that'll happen. You'll go through stretches like that. But they must improve their defense. They've committed two errors in each of the last two games, and there were a couple of plays each night that could have been made that weren't made that were ruled hits. So the defense has to improve. The relief pitching has to get better, too. And I think both those things will as time goes on. Remember, it's a long season. You play 150 games now. We've expanded the season from 140 mm. to 150, 75 home games. So, as I said, there is a lot of talent here, and I think this is a good team. He is the Hall of Fame play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Indians, Howard Cohen, with us on Indiana Sports Talk. Howard, one of the big 
talking points of big league ball, at least on opening weekend, is the introduction of the pitch clock in the MLB. But of course, for guys like us that call minor league ball, we have been used to it. Um, so the talk of the pitch clock in major league ball is clearly speeding up games. You're seeing a lot of two-hour games. What have you thought about the pitch clock over the years as it's now in big league ball? Well, we first had it in two in uh, 2015, Brendan, in the International League. And that year, it sped up the times of game from two hours and 56 minutes to two hours and 41 minutes. It was a huge success. But then they got a bit lax in enforcing it. And the year you were with me for most of our games in 2021, I mean, we were in a situation where it wasn't being enforced. Mm. And the average time of game was about three hours. They said in 2022, last year, we're going to enforce it. They did. The average times a game went to about two hours and 35 minutes, a huge success. It'll be a huge success in the big leagues, too. It's very, very important, very much needed, and I'm delighted that the owners got it through. Remember, the players didn't want it, and the Players Association did not want it, but it's a very good thing and very important. Howard, correct me if I'm mistaken, but is AAA fully going with the robo-umps this year, or at least the automated sometimes, is it? Not yet. They will okay. start soon, yes. We'll have not yet. I think it's April 20th or, or thereabouts. We'll have half the time we'll have uh, the ABS system, and the other half they'll have that system where if a guy touches his helmet, he can appeal the pitch. I think the ABA system could, ABS system could be good. Uh, Charlotte had it last year, Brendan. And I talked to Tommy Viola, a friend of mine who's a vice president there, and he said it was successful. It was an improvement. I'm not so sure. We'll see how the other thing works out about touching your helmet to appeal a ball strike call. Mm. I don't know if you really need something like that, but they'll experiment with it and we'll see. Well, if it was Derek Jeter, they'd be appealing everything because he touched his helmet before every pitch. But uh, <laughs> Howard, tell me about what's happening tomorrow at uh, Victory Field. Michael Burroughs will be on the mound for the Indians, Brendan. And Michael pitched in the Futures game last year, which is a very prestigious honor, as you well know. And Jonathan Heasley will pitch for the Omaha Storm Chasers. And uh, better weather is forecast, too. We got these first two games in somehow, <laughs> despite the challenging weather conditions. So a big day tomorrow, and then the Indians will have Monday off and open a six-game series in Louisville Tuesday. Howard, have a great call tomorrow. Always appreciate you coming on Indiana Sports Talk. Brendan, I thank you very much, and best of luck in South Bend this year. All right. Now, I'm not one to talk too early or speak too soon, but I think you can call it in the books. Under two minutes left to go, and the University of Connecticut Huskies have 70 to the Miami Hurricanes, 54. Of course, in two minutes, anything can happen, but it seems as though the story for the NCAA Men's Championship is going to be the Huskies against San Diego, I'm sorry, University of Connecticut against San Diego State. San Diego State winning their matchup earlier, 72-71 to over Florida Atlantic. Covered earlier, not much going on in the NBA today, just two games being played. The Miami Heat defeating the Dallas Mavericks, 129-122. to The New Orleans Pelicans also beating the Los Angeles Clippers, 122-114. to in baseball, there are just three games left being played. The San Diego Padres have extended their lead by another two over the Colorado Rockies. Top of the ninth there, the Padres winning 8-4. to 
Dodgers also extending their lead, not that they had much need to. Bottom of the eighth, they're up 10-1 to over the Arizona Diamondbacks. And, of course, all is still silent over in Seattle with the Guardians only winning by two over the Seattle Mariners. In hockey, games still in action. You've got the Colorado Avalanche and the Dallas Stars in the third period. Avalanche up 3-1. to one. Oilers over the Ducks 2 to nothing in the second period. Golden Knights over the Wild 3-1 to one in the second. Kings and Kraken still scoreless. And the San Jose Sharks added another one over the Arizona Coyotes 4-1 to one, with 10 left to play in the second period there. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Welcome back, everybody. This is Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. I'm Brendan King in for Coach Bob Lovell on a Saturday night. Coach will be back with you next weekend. But right now, as we enter the month of April, pretty crazy to think about the end of this month for the Indianapolis Colts. It's what we've been talking about for literally the last four months. It's finally here in about 25 days or so. The NFL draft, the Colts own the number four overall selection. Here to talk about it from the Indianapolis Colts Radio Network, our good friend Casey Valier. Casey, I always appreciate the time, my friend. How are you? Uh, Brendan, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just like you. This time of year is awesome because you and I are both big baseball fans. So, you know, baseball getting back underway, and you mentioned the NFL draft. There's intrigue. We've got March Madness. So it's the best time of the year, man. I love this time of year for sure. Can't be better, my friend. Yeah, I actually leave for South Bend on Monday, so it's going to be a pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty crazy week. Yeah, I'm sure. I was I was wondering if you're actually in Indianapolis, honestly, because yeah. I was like, you know what? This guy's about as busy as he gets, so I wasn't sure. It is that time of year, my man, but another guy that is as busy as it gets over the last couple months or so has been Shane Steichen, new Colts head coach on the job. Casey, there's only been a couple opportunities really for fans to hear from Coach Steichen, which makes sense in the offseason that you get to hear from him from the NFL Combine, his introductory press conference. There was the coaches' meetings last week. But in your short stays with him so far, Casey, what have you thought? Uh, I mean, he is he is all football, and that's that's one of the things that sounds like a lot of people really love about him. He is he is no nonsense. He's all ball. You know, it's one of those things we we had a, a sit down when he was first hired, and we had him for about fifteen minutes in the radio studio, and it was very short and sweet. All of his answers. We had a whole you know we got a whole list front to back of stuff we wanted to ask, and we were able to get to a lot of it. Because he just kind of shoots you straight. There's no, we we haven't gotten that coach speak yet. Um, mm. He's he's pretty open, but he is all ball. So he he finds a way to kind of get everything back to what you're going to see on the field and how important everything is. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like that's just who he is. From his high school days, his high school coach told us you know, he, he there was a, there was an article that was written about how. When Shane was, was you know, in, in high school, he wasn't going out to parties. He was asking his coach, hey, can I get an extra set of keys to the lights that are at the field so I can just go and work on throws on Friday nights or Saturday nights during the offseason? That's the kind of guy that the Colts are getting. And I, I think ultimately this is not saying that Frank Reich wasn't that guy, but that's the kind of guy you want. You want a guy who is all football. That's, that's what you're looking for. And, I mean, his track record with quarterbacks and everything, it sounds like he's one of the young rising stars in the league. And, you know, from, I know I'm, I'm giving you the, the, the company code here, but from this point of view, everything to this point has been pretty flawless. Okay, so you brought up Frank Reich, and now Shane Steichen comes into the fold, both former Eagles offensive coordinators. But yeah. how important is it that Steichen has had the experience over the last year calling the plays? for a Super Bowl contending team. 
Oh, it's huge. I mean, uh, you you think about the whole the, the way the entire Eagles thing worked out. I mean, Nick Sirianni, who was here, yeah. you know, he went over there. He started calling plays and realized, you know what? There's a lot that goes into being a head coach, and I got a lot of faith in Shane Steichen. And he turned it over to him halfway through his 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 first year in Philly. They were out of the playoff race at that point. Shane Steichen started calling plays, and they became a wild card team in the playoffs. And then this year, you saw what the Eagles did. I mean, definitely one of those teams that we were talking about potentially winning a Super Bowl. I'm not going to necessarily say that it was all Shane Steichen, but you look at that play calling and that little bit of difference you saw in the offense from Jalen Hurts kind of underneath Nick Sirianni to taking those play calls from Shane Steichen. There's definitely to be said there that that is a pretty impressive 18 months or so with him calling plays in Philadelphia. And that's one of the things that you like to see here. I mean, he's got a proven track record. I know that you hear from Nick Sirianni where he he thought the head coaching duties might have a little bit more into it to stop calling plays, and that's why he turned things over. Shane Steichen right now says he wants to call plays. So you look at that, and you've got a – a play caller who was calling plays in the Super Bowl. So that you, you can't go wrong there, for sure. Casey Vallier is our guest from the Colts Radio Network. Casey, about the end of this month and when the NFL draft comes about, the Colts at number four, the Carolina Panthers, of course, had leapfrogged them to become owners of the number one overall pick from the Chicago Bears. But we were just talking off the air, just how many different directions this thing can go. Because even though <laughs> the Panthers went to number one, it's still unclear. There's not that guy with the magnifying glass you could say oh this is what they're going to do do you remember a draft really that has had this much parity especially in the top five you know i'm glad you bring that up because that's actually i asked um, josh edwards who covers uh, the nfl draft for cbs sports i asked him actually that this week in our inside the draft series we do over on colts.com and i said i said i can't remember the last time where Heading into the month of the draft, the month of April, there are still four quarterbacks that nobody really knows how they're going to shake out. I think everybody thinks that Will Levis, when you're looking at the quarterback tier, he's probably that fourth guy. But one, two, three, it's almost like you ask any team and they've got one guy higher. Typically at this point, the draft board is... Yes, there's still speculation because there has to be, but for the most part, it's already kind of figured out. And here we are, and I honestly have no idea. I mean, for the Colts at four, it, it could be a wide range of, of players. And, and for me, it's one of those things where, depending on what happens at one, it changes so much down the draft. Yeah. But it, it, it's bizarre, man. I mean, I could see Carolina going and getting Anthony Richardson. I can see them drafting C.J. Stroud because everybody says that's Frank Reich's guy. But then Bryce Young has been, you know, for the last two years, everybody's saying this is the first overall pick. This is the guy. Mm. So who knows? I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after Carolina goes. And then especially with the Colts at four, that, that Arizona pick there at three, it, it you could see a lot of people trading up to get there. You see the Colts move up one spot. I have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. All I know is that the Colts stay at four. There's a handful of guys right there, either whether it's a quarterback or a non-quarterback, that can potentially be a game-changing player come year one. So as a Colts fan and a guy who talks about it, 
I would love to see them stay at four and get one of these guys who's at the top of this draft. But I guess we've got, you know, 20 some odd days to kind of continue to talk about what's going to happen. It's Casey Vallier with us here on IST. Casey, the offseason, it has led to some losses on the roster. Stephon Gilmore heading to the Dallas Cowboys. Bobby O'Karake signing with the New York Giants in free agency. I know it was going to be tough for Chris Ballard to keep everything he wanted because clearly he did not want to let go of Bobby O'Karake. That's clear. But when he re-signs EJ Speed and you let Bobby O'Karake go, uh, what is this team going to miss most about O'Karake at the linebacker position? I mean, that's a, that's a great one because it's hard. I mean, Bobby O'Karake, he, and he's one of those guys, I think if you talk to Chris Ballard, he would be very excited to see him go and get a big contract because he played himself into that. And with the Colts having EJ Speed, and then you also had prior to free agency this year, Zaire Franklin and uh, Shaquille Leonard under contract, it makes it really hard to pay a fourth linebacker, especially when majority of the time the packages you're playing, you've got just two linebackers on the field. But what you lose with Bobby, you lose a guy who can play multiple linebacker positions. He can truly play sideline to sideline, but also his football IQ and his leadership that is something that you cannot teach. And that, and that's something that you, you tip your cap to, to Bobby O'Karake. I mean, you know this. You, you were in those locker rooms. You were out there at training camp. I mean, the guy just, he had it. You know, he, he knew where to be. And he, he had a little bit more of the athletic traits that he grew into later that really made him to this point where he was a high priority for the Giants to go out and get. So there's a lot of intangibles that you're going to miss. But one of the things I think you saw is you saw how important a guy like Zaire Franklin was to this defense last year. And if you have Shaquille Leonard healthy, you really look at it and you go, well, I think we saw so much at a Zaire. You aren't going to really miss that much with Bobby. And EJ speed continues to show promise. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the on-the-field attributes that you lose with Bobby, I think you can recreate with guys like Zaire and EJ Speed. Um, but from a locker room, a leadership, just a football IQ guy, you definitely lose a lot there. Casey Vallier from the Colts Radio Network taking some time with us tonight here on IST. Casey, hope you have a great summer, my friend. Looking forward to seeing you at training camp. We'll get to be out there for a couple days again as we get a break in the South Bend Cubs schedule. But catch you in a couple months. Have a great summer, my friend. You got it, buddy. It's official. The game is in the books, and the table is set for the NCAA Men's Basketball Championship. It is going to be San Diego State, who won earlier tonight over Florida Atlantic by a, with a buzzer beater, 72-71. to 71. And now, just finally, time expiring on UConn versus Miami, University of Connecticut, the Huskies winning 72-59. to A decisive victory. Both teams, by the way, today winning with a score of 72. But that sets the table. The finals will be the UConn Huskies, 4th ranked against the 5th ranked San Diego State Aztecs. Moving on. MLS, Major League Soccer, there were some teams in action, teams surrounding Indiana that played today. Columbus was victorious over Real Salt Lake, 4 to nothing. Cincinnati beat Inter-Miami 1-0 in their matchup. St. Louis was in Minnesota. They fell 1-0. And Chicago went to a draw with D.C. United 0-0 
in their matchups as well. Talked about it earlier, but let's review it one more time. The PPG 375 is going to be taking place tomorrow. Today was full of qualifications and practice laps. Felix Felix Rosenquist has the pole position. Scott Dixon right behind. Alexander Rossi, Joseph Newgarden, and Pato O'Ward competing as well. Marcus Erickson, last year's Indy 500 winner, is going to be at the 16th position. For Network Indiana Sports, I'm Sam Fritz. Welcome back to Indiana Sports Talk, everybody. Brendan King in for the coach, Bob Lovell, on a Saturday night. Now bringing on a very special guest. You know him from ESPN 1000 in Chicago as well. From the recap covering Chicago sports, Chicago sports legend, David Kaplan with us on IST. Cap, thanks for taking some time, my friend. Oh, my pleasure. It's always an honor to be on with you, man. How you doing? Doing well, brother. Well, Cubs split the first two of the season. Really, really good on opening day for nothing. And actually ends up the first 16 innings of the year. All shutout work by Cubs starters. Marcus Stroman and Justin Steele. Things went a little haywire today, Cap. But you got to like what you see from the rotation so far. The fact that you haven't even seen Jamison Tyone and Hayden Wesneski yet. Yeah, you had two guys pitch and you gave... Uh what, 12 innings of shutout baseball with a combined, I think, six hits. Yeah, they've been really, really good. And Javier Assad came in, was really good in the seventh, sent him back out because it was the bottom of the brew order in the eighth, and they gave up three runs. And unfortunately, they lose the ball game three to one. If you'd have told David Ross privately, hey, you're going to face Corbin Burns, a Cy Young winner, and another guy who could win a Cy Young and Brandon Woodruff, and you're going to be one and one, he probably would have taken it. What about the start of the year for Dansby Swanson? And I was listening to Pat and Ron today, and they mentioned Dansby already has more hits in the regular season than he did at spring training, so you could pl- completely throw anything in Mesa out the window. But everything is advertised, right, especially defensively. Yeah, Dansby Swanson has been wildly impressive with the Cubs since they signed him as a leader in there offensively at spring training, he was struggling. I, I was telling my wife today, she's like, who's that guy? I said, this Dan's response. And he was four for, you know, 61 or whatever he was at spring training. He was terrible. And he said, I just, I feel like my timing's there. I'm just following stuff off. I'll be okay. He gets three hits on opening day. He gets three more hits today. And he's off to this great start. Now, look, that can change in an instant when it's really cold in Chicago and he faces another really good pitcher. If he throws up an over, you don't know what that does. He's notoriously a slow starter, but you could not have drawn up a start offensively for him better than you did these first two games. David Kaplan is our guest here on Indiana Sports Talk from ESPN 1000 in Chicago as well. As the recap, those are out every single day following Cubs and White Sox ball games. Uh, Cap, just to explore more of the defensive eliteness of this team, up the middle especially, Ian Happ's off to a great start. Seiya Suzuki has not even played yet. I mean, would you argue that this is the best defensive team in big league ball? I've said that they certainly are in that team photo. Look, the Cardinals have a really good defensive team, but the Cubs have a gold glove shortstop, a gold glove finalist at that position two years ago now that he's at in second base in Nico Horner, who can also play shortstop. They have a gold glove winner in left field. They have a gold glove winner in center field in Cody Bellinger, a gold glove winner in one of their catchers in Tucker Barnhart, another outstanding defensive catcher in Jan Gomes, and Eric Hosmer's a multi-time gold glove winner. So they built this team because they don't have the thump I think they would like to have 
yet. They have a bunch of guys coming through the system, and I think they're going to have the ability to spend big money in the offseason again, whether that's Shohei or Otani or not, I don't know yet. Mm. Uh, but they have built this thing to win through pitching and defense, and they absolutely have one of the best defensive teams on paper in the game. Yeah, For the people listening that are not as familiar with the system, you rattled off a couple names there. You could throw in Pete Crow Armstrong. You can throw in Owen Casey. Matt Mervis crushed a home run on opening day for the Iowa Cubs yesterday. The new age of Cubs that are getting ready to come up, and you look back to 2014, Schwarber, Baez, Bryant, Contreras, those types of guys. Does it remind you a la 2014, or do you see even more talent coming up right now than back in the day? You don't have a Chris Bryant who won an MVP. You don't have that type, you know, an Anthony Rizzo who, while he wasn't a product of the Cubs system, he started in the Cubs system and then came up and came over in that trade with the Padres. You don't have that superstar yet. Armstrong, maybe. I don't know if he has the thump in his bat to be a you know, big home run guy, I think he's a gold glove caliber outfielder. I think he's that leader type. I think he's, you know, that guy that you watch 30 years old. You're like, this guy just drives me nuts. He makes all the big catches and comes up with big hits and big spots. And I've gotten to know him as a guy, not as well as you because you were the voice of that team. But I've spent some time around this kid. I really like him as a leader. Can Matt Mervis be that guy? Maybe. He's built like Rizzo. And he's a sharp, sharp kid. Mm-hmm. So there are guys coming. You mentioned those two, and I mentioned Kevin Alcantara. Raw, he came over in the Rizzo trade from the Yankees. There are players in this system. Cade Horton, the kid they drafted in the first round, top ten pick, I think eighth yep. overall last year. He's a beast. He could stay healthy, but he's got that type of top of rotation stuff. So they've got players coming. They're going to have another really good draft pick because they were a non-playoff team a year ago. They've got the ability to play deep end of the pool, free agents in baseball and internationally. With Mervis, I think that is so enticing. If he starts hot, which he kind of has already, and if Eric Hosmer doesn't start hot, is there any threat to Hosmer's job if Mervis does what he did last year in the first two months here? Oh, absolutely there is. But I think... You know, as Jed Hoyer has said, we are going to do what's best for the development of Matt Mervis long-term, not what might be the best for the Chicago Cubs in the short term, if you know what I mean. If he looks and goes, yeah, I think he's an upgrade for us, certainly, but I just think he needs another six weeks of minor league seasoning, he's not going to bring Matt Mervis up here because he thinks it might help his team. He wants to know when he comes. He's here for good. Look, they don't have a financial commitment to Eric Hosmer. He's playing for the league minimum because he's getting all his money from a collection of signings with San Diego (laughs) and Boston. So there was a no-brainer element to signing him. That's why they did it. But I'll tell your listeners a quick story. I was with Matt Mervis, and I said, how did you end up with the Cubs? He said, you know, it's a funny story. He said, 2020 uh, Major League Draft was only five rounds. It's normally like... Five billion rounds, but because of the pandemic, five round draft Friday night, and that's it. And everyone else is a free agent. So Friday night comes and goes. He thinks he's a first round pick, maybe second. He does not get picked. Five rounds come and go. 
and Matt Mervis is not selected. He's a sharp kid from Duke. I mean, this is an educated man. He said, I walked out of the house. I didn't want to be around my parents, my friends, nobody. I'm furious. And he said, I went for this really long walk. I said, okay, when I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm done being upset. And he said, I was kicked off all night. I woke up the next morning, took a deep breath, got my laptop out and created an Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> When's the last time you heard a baseball player do that? And then he went to Spot Track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, that has every contract of every professional athlete in every sport. He said, I pulled up every team, and I went through their system, and I went through the contracts, and I narrowed it down to two teams. And I said, the Yankees don't have a first baseman, and the Cubs haven't extended Rizzo. They potentially don't have one. They don't have one in their system that's at the upper levels that's really good. So he said, wake up. Now, you cannot call any players till Sunday. He said, all Saturday, I work on the spreadsheet. Sunday morning, 8 a.m., you can get your first call, Eastern time. Phone rings. Hello? Yeah, this is Jed Hoyer, president of the Chicago Cubs. <laughs> he said, I hang up. Next call. This is Brian Cashman of the New York Yankees. He said, the next call. Hey, this is David Ross of the Chicago Cubs. You're at the top of our list. And Jed said he walked around the backyard of his in-law's home in St. Louis. They were down visiting there. He said, for literally eight hours, I just walked around the backyard calling the handful of guys we wanted, and Matt was number one. Wow. And he said, the next day, Matt said, I have a feeling to his parents, I have a feeling Yankees are in it to win right now. Cubs are going to go through a little rebuild. I'll bet you the Yankees trade for Anthony Rizzo. Yes, I have a feeling the Yankees are trading for Anthony Rizzo at the deadline this year. I'm going to sign with the Cubs. And he signed with the Cubs and Rizzo got traded to the Yankees. That's how sharp this kid is. So I feel like it's a really cool story. That's why I like to share it. And I think he's going to end up being a hell of a player. Hell of a story, Cap. Always appreciate the time, my man. And looking forward to seeing you hopefully in South Bend at some point this summer. You can come up anytime you'd like. I'll be there. Make sure everybody out there knows. Just go on YouTube and type in my name, David Kaplan. Recap, R-E-K-A-P, and subscribe. It's free. Recaps after every Bears, Bulls, Cubs, and White Sox game. Love it, Cap. Thanks for the time. You're the best. Last time tonight from me. And let's say the magic number for tonight was 72. In NCAA men's basketball, both the Final Four winners finished with a score of 72. Most recently, it was the University of Connecticut over Miami, winning 72-59, to decisive fashion in their matchup. Not quite the same story for San Diego State against Florida Atlantic. It was 72-71, to a buzzer beater that, in my opinion, is going to be some NCAA history. Let's listen to it one final time tonight. Pulled down by Mensa. They have the one timeout. Are they going to take it or not? They don't have the scorers on the floor. It's Butler with two seconds. He's got to put it up. NCAA men's championship match between the University of Connecticut and San Diego State all set. Baseball, a couple of games. As a matter of fact, all the games have finished up. The San Diego Padres beat the Colorado Rockies 8-4. Los Angeles Dodgers defeated the Arizona Diamondbacks 10-1. And the Cleveland Guardians finished off the Seattle Mariners 2-0 to finish out the games in action tonight. In hockey, games at the end of the second period. Sharks are up over the Coyotes 4-1. Knights over the Wild 3-1. Kings are finally on the board against the Kraken 1-0. And the Oilers are going to sweep the Ducks up Four to nothing. That's it for me tonight for Never Canadian Sports. I'm Sam Fritz.
You heard it from the man, Sam Fritz, Natty, on Monday. San Diego State, UConn. Let's check in. On, we got to get our picks before we go, obviously, because by the time Coach Lovell's back with you next week, the national championship is going to be somewhat old news. So, Mr. Fritz, I will start with you. San Diego State, UConn, and the Natty, who you got, let me know. Yeah, you look at the matchups tonight, you know, four seed against a five seed, a five seed against a nine seed. Uh, University of Connecticut winning in way more decisive fashion. They seem to really be on their stride. And matchup-wise, I just really think that the Huskies have this one. Uh, do I think it'll be as decisive as their win was tonight? No, I think it'll be much closer. But I'm going to say UConn uh, definitely takes the, the championship. Mr. Huber. I tend to agree. You know, you can throw the seeds out the window. But you know, I just think UConn's been more consistent. Uh, San Diego State, uh, you know, they play really, really well as much as would love to see them win it as a first-time national champion out of the Mountain West Conference. I just like UConn. They've been here before. uh, So I I think they'll take it in a tight one on Monday night. I do think it's going to be close because San Diego State has had the clutch gene. They finally got going from a shooting perspective tonight. It's actually interesting because the last time that we saw – like a legitimate Final Four game. Of course, it was Chris Jenkins hitting the buzzer beater. But remember, UConn and Butler played in the same building in the worst national championship shooting performance ever. And the fact that FAU and San Diego State got started so hot, uh, Brad, I agree with you. I think it's going to be close. I think it should be a solid natty. And, and to be honest with you, San Diego State kind of plays a Big East type game. Fritz, you said that they each score 72 tonight, but San Diego State defends. They're not your traditional West Coast type of basketball team where it's a lot of offense and no defense. It's they're hard-nosed and they're going to guard you. So UConn's comfortable playing that game, but guys, UConn needs to realize that San Diego State, they're going to match their intensity, Brad. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I feel like San Diego State is kind of like coming – up the path of like Gonzaga that they came up, a West Coast team mm-hmm. uh, that not a lot of people have heard of, now making runs and being more consistent uh, in the NCAA tournament. So I agree with you. I think they're going to give UConn one heck of a basketball game. And, you know, I guess you could call it an upset if they get the win on Monday night. But uh, I think UConn's a little bit more uh, tough, a little bit more consistent and I think they'll get it done, but yeah, it's going to be one heck of a game on Monday night. Fritz, how'd your bracket end up? You know, I was doing really well in the office pool for a long time, and then Gonzaga decided to go down, and that pretty much blew it all for me. No, I'm with you. See, I won my friend's March Madness pool last year, so I feel like I'm good to do that like once every 10 years. So (laughs) we'll revisit that in about a decade. But uh, Brad, to your point, this is exactly why San Diego State, they're going to be called a Cinderella. They're going to be called an upset, but they are not by any means. Brian Dutcher, their head coach. Remember, again, I said this earlier in the show, when the tournament was canceled in 2020, in March of 2020, they were a 30-2 team. 30-2. They were arguably the best team in the country. And then they came back, and they went 23-5 during COVID, which was really hard to do because, remember, guys were dropping like flies. Guys couldn't play because of COVID precautions. Guys couldn't play because maybe they had COVID. And then they came back last year and went 23-9, and made the tournament, round of 64. And 23-9, and for those standards, for them, that's considered bad. I'd love to be 23-9. and I'd love to be. Most teams would love to be 23-9. and And then this year they come back, they're 32-6. and They go 15-3 and in conference. So, yes, Brad. 
they are going to be looked at as a five-seed Cinderella, which should not be the case by any fashion. They're going to be looked at as an upset. If they win the national championship, the headlines on Monday are going to be upset in Houston, which it is an upset, but not for a minute, not for a minute are they a Cinderella team. And that's not a disrespect to Cinderella's by any means. It's not a disrespect to Cinderella's. FAU had a great run. San Diego State is really, really good. And that conference is, quite frankly, only getting better. We're due for a great national championship on Monday. San Diego State and UConn will come back, put a bow on this one. IST on a Saturday night. I'm Brendan King, Sam Fritz, and Brad Huber back after this. Putting a bow on this one, Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk. My thanks to Sam Fritz and Brad Huber for a job well done this evening. I'm Brendan King and for Coach Bob Lovell. Again, Coach will be back with you next week as he marches on in the spring before, of course, Coach will take his summer break and get some relaxation in, either poolside at the Lovell Mansion or down in Florida visiting his family in Naples. Want to take this last segment to just give a large thank you to everybody in this building, in this city, in this state, because, again, this is my last show, at least for the start of the spring. You're going to be heading up to South Bend on Monday to begin the season with the South Bend Cubs, two championships in the last three seasons. It's been a lot of fun, and, again, it's an opportunity for me to really follow my number one passion, which is play-by-play and calling baseball, and I've had a chance to do that at a lot of cool places, whether that's in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Boise, Idaho, South Bend, and other places too. But you'll be hearing from me. I'll be back for the month of May for race coverage with Brad and Sam and all the people that do great stuff from 16th and Georgetown and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, some track updates and uh, some work here on Network Indiana and with our flagship stations, 93 WIBC as well as 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan in Indianapolis. But I'll tell you what, this is an interesting way to sign off because I just – I'm wrapping up as we speak, as you listen, off-season number five in Indianapolis. I've been on this show now for five years, which is pretty crazy to think about. 28 right now, so I think I got on this show when I was 23. Right around the start of the pandemic is when things really got interesting, where we started running this show in the summers full-time. That was a relatively new deal, so they were looking for people to host. I remember I hosted my first-ever show with Brad. Brad and I co-hosted this thing together, and then Sam eventually was hired along with some very talented people, and everybody that participates on this show does a spectacular job. Host, updates, producer, you name it. Um, This show has carried on for nearly 30 years because of the people, and that all starts with Bob Lovell and what he has done with this program. But again, five years. It's been pretty interesting to think about because I remember sitting on a park bench in Cape Cod in 2016 when I was 21. I got put in touch to Bob Lovell by John Griffin, who is a talented advertising salesman in this building, and Griff told me to call Bob Lovell in the hopes that one day I could work on Indiana Sports Talk. And Bob Lovell and I sat for 30 minutes talking about life, baseball, sports, and Indiana Sports Talk. And he said, maybe someday you could do updates on this show. Maybe someday you can guest host this show. Well, the last two nights, I don't take it lightly. I, I love doing this, and I owe it all to Coach, Sam, Brad, all the great people in this building. So thank you all for another fabulous offseason. Hope to see you in South Bend. If you guys ever come to a South Bend Cubs game, you're listening out there, step into the broadcast booth, say hi, don't be a stranger. It'll be great to see you. But again, 
I'll be back with you on these airwaves in the month of May. And then as we go into the fall for what will be offseason number six, and maybe, just maybe, another South Bend Cubs Midwest League Championship. Brendan King, Sam Fritz, Brad Huber, Bob Lovell's back with you next weekend. This is the legendary Network Indiana's Indiana Sports Talk.